Welcome into the Seminole Rap Podcast. If you didn't see it, that you didn't see it. It was Ben gave me a, a nice clap of the hands action there as I was counting into the show today. So that's how we'll start it. I think that's exactly what Norvell did in the locker room on Sunday, Saturday. What a rough start. It was a great start for Florida State, though. They absolutely dominate 41-16 over Wake Forest. Um, I'm awkward. It's how it is. It's fine. Brian Pellerin, Ben Meyerson, uh, no John this week. He is uh, out gallivanting the mountains post uh, Wake Forest, made the trip up there to uh, go to the game. I think he's hanging out with mom. So, uh, John, if you're listening, thank you. Go enjoy your time off. appreciate you listening, though, but good to hear from you. We love you, too. Um, Perry, uh, our podcast uh, producer and showrunner, may or may not be here. We've been waiting for him, and we're just going to start. And if he joins in progress, it's a moving train, so we'll just see what happens. Ben and I got things to do, lives to live, but here's how we go. Uh, ben, I, I talked to you a little bit beforehand, man. This was all around a great performance. Um, obviously, Wake Forest is struggling this year, four and four. It's not like this was a juggernaut. It's not a game you and I were really afraid of. Um, but to put out the effort they put out there was still really impressive. This game was in hand finished halfway through the second quarter yeah no this game was over at the end of that that half um that that stretch they had in the second quarter was really really impressive i I wrote it in my offensive review article over on tomhawknation.com which you can go read more there that you know in five of the last six drives of that set of that first half they scored either a field goal or a touchdown 34 points in that half uh jordan just put on a clinic in that half. Um, yeah, it was really, really dominant by the team. Like you said, you know, I don't think we were ever too worried about this game. I think this stretch of the season always seemed frisky just because of the road games. Um, and you kind of just never know with, with the ACC, especially Halloween weekend um, with, with Florida state as a former Florida state student myself, I can tell you <laughs> that uh, uh, it's notorious for a reason. And um, I can definitely understand why some of FSU's teams seem like they're, having a, a bit of a hangover in, in some of those games on Halloween weekend <laughs> and the weekend after, but that didn't happen here. And maybe that's why they had these two road games back to back. Even that's, that's smart by Mark, Mike Norvell. I like that. Um, Good jockeying for position up at the ACC offices. Look, if you're going to keep us and hold us hostage in here, we want to go on the road with two bad opponents right around Halloween. Uh, we'll get the pit in a second, I guess. <laughs> uh yeah but uh no just, just a fantastic half i think more than anything we really see this team kind of shaping into form right now um jordan travis and we'll talk about him more has really kind of just turned the corner in my opinion um he had an excellent first game against lsu and since then you know not that he was playing necessarily bad football because that's not what was going on but we've seen the standard that Jordan Travis has set for himself and he wasn't living up to that standard um, up until these last few games. And and I think now we can really see him being that Heisman contender, you know, that we expected him to be. So I think he's now playing to expectation. And even then I think he's playing a little beyond that in these last few games. Um, Just the offense overall, you know, Mike Norvell seems like he's just getting in a really, really good rhythm in terms of knowing how to use this offense. We know where the weaknesses are. They're all along the offensive line. Um, you know, that's just going to be an issue this season, and it's not really going to change just 
you know, it is, it is what it is, but Mike Norvell has found ways to scheme around that and found ways to um, just work around the fact that they are so poor along the line of scrimmage on offense, but then, you know, on the defensive side of the ball too. And, you know, we talked about this pre-show as well. This is, this is the best defensive unit Mike Norvell has had at Florida state. Uh, full stop. It, it's, it's very impressive what they're doing. I'll get into some stats later just about, you know, how they're trending and how good this defense has been this season. Um, but, you, you know, I, I think we know what this team is and we can finally kind of see them reaching the ceiling that we thought they were capable of. Now, you know, I think we all thought preseason that the running game would be different. Um, but it's just not going to be that this year. So I think if you look at everything else, I'm very impressed with how this team is shaping up. Yeah, I, I, you kind of touched a bunch of things there, and the one I want to start with is Jordan before I get back to this defense, because like you mentioned, very, very impressive. Um, but this, we saw it again this week where you ended up not using it, but right off the jump, you, you gave Jordan chances to run, and you saw him use it first drive, the rushing touchdown, um, I don't think that was designed, if I'm remembering it correctly. I think it was an ad-libbed play, but uh, the willingness is more there than it has been, which is important, um, and not just for his Heisman candidacy, which I, I think um, now shaping up is there, um, but in general, on the way he's playing and leading this team, like you mentioned, he really looked in a rhythm in this one. It's easy if you're just targeting Keon, and Keon's having that type of game, but you can see the way that Jaheim is back to being healthy and Mike Gravel's using ways to get him the ball. You're seeing Kyle Morlock get a little more involved, not a ton, but enough, right? Like, I mean, what he was, uh, I got it in front of me, two for 45. Like, okay, great. That's not an amazing game, but um, if he's out there and he's blocking as well as he is, that's great. Uh, you saw the great throw to Kentron down the sideline. Um, Darian Williamson had a nice play. Ja'Kai Douglas with a couple of catches here and there. Like you don't need to be amazing, you don't need, I mean, this was without Johnny Wilson as well. And, and as much of as clutch as Johnny has been, it was kind of interesting to see him just play so well without him. It was key on, I was going to say key keying on Keon early, but uh, I didn't realize the names and the phrase there matched so well, but uh, it worked. I mean, it, it, you know, they were talking pregame about this great matchup and uh, this outstanding corner that wake had. And um, yes, he's, he is good. Um, but you have a guy who's better and that's, that's impressive when you're playing up against a great corner, there is no Johnny Wilson. It's, you know, can Keon win one-on-one and he just did. Um, it makes it so much easier for Jordan, but man, the way Jordan came out of the gates, it was like, it didn't really matter if it was Wake Forest or anyone else. He really just kind of took off. It, it was just Jordan's here and rolling as Perry comes in. So I'm going to very awkwardly turn and flip it over to Perry. Uh, we were talking Jordan Travis. So Perry, your impressions of Jordan Travis, I assume they're just he's very good at football. Yeah, I would uh, I say he came in rolling. Um, that is an original thought that I had. But yeah, no, <laughs> I don't know what was discussed, so I probably am going to We literally just said, it. hey, it's all good. Jordan Travis is good, so welcome. Let's in. go. So perfectly timed. I think Ben actually put it really well in his piece where this is the Jordan Travis that we've been looking for. Like. He is utilizing the arm, which we've seen a lot this season, but the legs have only really come out over the last two games. And this week we saw him creating, like we saw him running in addition to making those open and explosive plays with his legs, being down Johnny Wilson and um, Destin Hill and just kind of not really having the, 
I mean, the firepower is there. The firepower is always going to be there. They could lose like five players off that offense and still have a lot of explosive talent. Maybe. But for him to navigate, yeah, maybe a little hey, bit exaggerating. One of them but, are Keon, you know. Yeah, but that's what I, Keon, I think, is just an, like Keon and Jordan together, plus you throw in what Trey Benson can do. And I think Jordan Travis has just kind of settled in. Like, we, was it last week when they were giving the antidote about him talking to Norvell? He wasn't having any fun anymore because he was pushing too hard. And we've seen that relief come out. Like, we've seen him just kind of fall back in that natural sort of athletic rhythm that he's had. And, you could say it probably is because of that, but also over the last couple of years has kind of been what this Florida State team has done, like not in a bad way. They've kind of surged in the second half of the season. So it it's just nice to see that he has not regressed. It was more of him finding his place with his team. Like he was still putting up numbers. His numbers in production are still great. But now we're seeing like actual Heisman Trophy candidate, Jordan Travis. And it's really like fun to see yeah, it, you can you can see it a lot in college where guys get the pressure. The you know, I mean, Florida State launched his Heisman campaign in January. Like the pressure is there, and and that's a lot for to live up to when you can't see the field for seven months. Um, you kind of have those great games to start the year, and then yeah, you kind of hit a lull early October again. Um, but you kind of didn't. It, it been like you were talking about before. It's not a time where you really need. You're playing teams that didn't really push you there, and. and to just come out and dominate is great. Perry, you mentioned the Heisman odds, and, and Ben, I'll go to you first here. Uh, Jordan is currently fifth. His odds didn't change very much over the weekend, despite the big numbers. Um, I assume that's because no one really lost. G- Dylan Gabriel was the big loser. He dropped from around plus 1,000 to plus 3,500. Uh, but Travis is currently behind Penix, J.J. McCarthy, Jaden Daniels, and Bo Nix. Um, to me, it seems like it's a Penix, Bo Nix, Jaden Daniels, Jordan Travis race maybe Marvin Harrison, but Ben, uh, I guess my fear is that he has, if Jordan wants to win this thing, I think it's going to mostly be on, can he have a Heisman moment, quote unquote, with the schedule ahead of them? Because it feels like it might have to come against Miami. Yeah. Or the ACC championship game. I was going to say the ACC championship game or even Florida, just because that's always going to be a notable game, no matter how bad Florida is. Boy, they suck, huh? Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But no, I I, I think, you know, for Jordan, uh, I just think the schedule bears out in a way where I'm not quite sure that he's going to have that opportunity for a Heisman moment. I think the only thing that could really help him, though, is if we see those other guys falter in front of him. I, I I think that's what would help Jordan out more than anything. And I don't even think that's us. You know, that's not me saying that, you know, Jordan's not worthy or whatever, you know, that, that he's not a Heisman guy, but I think it's more so just, you know, the guys in front of him have taken care of a business in a way that Jordan didn't quite for a stretch earlier this season. Kind of, if you look after that LSU game up until these last two games, it's not like Jordan was was bad, but alluding to what Perry was talking about earlier, I think we're seeing, you know, the Jordan Travis these last two games is the Jordan Travis we saw at the end of last year. The the one who pushed the, you know, uh, FSU and their staff to to make the Heisman candidacy for Jordan in January. That's that's the Jordan we're seeing right now. So, you know, I, I think a lot of that has to do with Jordan running the ball more, of course, and opening up the offense. And I also think it's Mike Norvell figuring out how to use all of these weapons together in in a confluence of ways that they just didn't figure out earlier in the season. And I think part of that's, you know, guys were missing games here and there, Johnny, Jaheim, you know, the, the running game was struggling even 
worse than they have been these last few games. And, you know, these last few games haven't been particularly pretty from the running game. It's better, but it's not what it was last season. Um, yeah, I, I think it's a lot of factors kind of just coming together at the right time. And and I know both of you have kind of already talked about this or alluded to it already, but um, Florida State plays their best football under Mike Norvell this time of the year, you know, October heading into November. And then we're hoping this year it's going to be in January as well. We just haven't seen that yet. So, um, you know, I think things are kind of just coming together at the, the right time for this offense. But, yeah, I, I think Jordan's Heisman candidacy not to say it's already been decided, but I, I, I he's just not going to be able to kind of have that moment that he needs to have. Um, and, yeah, those guys in front of him have already had a lot of those moments. Well, I, I think where I'd, I'd almost contradict myself from earlier is, despite the opponents, if he puts together some of those runs, mm. now that he's willing to run, I, I feel like those play well. When you're making guys miss and you're juking, it's hard if you're like, wow, what a really good throw. Uh, people just go, okay, great, yeah. And the guy ran past a guy, and you threw it to him. Like, okay, great. Um, you know, if he puts together some uh, some of those nice run packages or the the goal line making guys miss kind of fun things, he's he's good at doing. Um, yeah, to your point, I mean, we've watched guys lose like Dylan Gabriel and Caleb Williams and Drake May, who are up near the top of this list. Uh, you take an L and you drop like a rock. So uh, keep winning, and, and you will continue sliding up. It seems like it's not going to go to Beck. It's not going to go to McCarthy. I don't. I mean, McCarthy's up here, but. I have a hard time imagining voters are going to go, you know what? We really want the quarterback behind the cheating scandal. So, yeah, well, that'd be like, it feel like the AJ McCarron award too. Like, oh, just give the guy on the stack team. Like, yeah, give the quarterback of the team who's not really, you know, he's not really doing his stats are much worse than Jordan's, uh, which I mean, you know, if it's a stats award, it's going to go to either Penix or Daniels. It'll be a combination of winning. So it's just put up the stats and keep winning. The other stat category I wanted to go to is the defense. Ben, you alluded to it earlier. Uh, this is the best defense, as you called it, in, in the Mike Norvell era. And it's kind of hard to argue. I mean, we asked early in the year, we expected this offense to be one of the best in the country. Jordan certainly playing like he is will allow that to continue. And, and Keon being 1B in terms of best receivers in the country right there in the mix with Marvin Harrison Jr. And, and uh, Malik Neighbors is like the three stat leaders, I think, in the country. Florida State against Power 5 teams is... 15th in in total offense in points per game um that'll play if your offense is as good as it is and and ben i'm sure you have tons more stats to back up why this defense is so good yeah i think this you know you you talked about it already but this defense is the best we've seen under mike norvell and and adam fuller's really turned a corner in my opinion um you know right now if you look at the whole season they rank 20th in defensive scoring at about 18 points per game but if you just Put that over the last four games. So since Clemson, um, which is really their last bad defensive game, in my opinion, um, they'd rank top five in points per game allowed. Um, beyond that, too, just situationally, this defense has been really excellent, too. And I and I think that's the encouraging thing for me is that, you know, once we get later into the season and we we play in the ACC championship game, go to the college football playoff at you know, things continue how they look right now. Um, this team is top 20 in third down efficiency, red zone efficiency, first downs allowed um, from passers. They're fifth in passer rating allowed. You know, they they are doing so much well right now. Um, and, you know, I think part of that's due to the fact that Riley Leonard was hampered. And um, I think things would have looked a little bit differently. But our number one Duke fan, Ben. 
<laughs> the reality is, though, is that you play the teams on your schedule with the injuries they have. And, you know, all, uh, Johnny Wilson was out. Destin Hill was out this game. Hakeem Williams was out this game. So, you know, it's not like FSU hasn't had their own injuries, right? Um, but, yeah, this defense has just been really excellent. The coverage unit has stepped up in a way where, I mean, I remember after the Clemson and Boston College game, Brian, we were talking about, you know, sure, the numbers looked bad for the coverage unit too, but just watching the games – they were playing so off receivers and they were allowing so many big chunk plays over and over and over. And, you know, they were kind of having the opposite of drive killers on defense where they were allowing teams to extend drives over and over on them. And you just aren't seeing that from this defense right now. Um, I do, I do wish we could see Jared Versch playing a little bit better in terms of the pressure he's getting, you know, and, and that's, you know, I know people will say, oh, he only has two sacks. His pressure numbers are pretty good, but he's not making the same disruption um, this year that he made last year where he was really, really disruptive against quarterbacks to offensive lines, just kind of muddying the pocket, doing all kinds of things to disrupt their, the game flow and the rhythm for the opposing offenses. That's the only gripe I have with the defense right now. But I think if you look at the rest of this defense, the interior defensive line is excellent. Braden Fisk is playing ridiculous this season he's playing out of his mind and you know like i already said this coverage unit has really stepped it up i I would maybe slightly push back on the jared verse because like maybe this you're right he he qualified it with the oh i don't care about the stats he did get two sacks alone um this last week so he's up to four on the season and he has just been eating up blocks like the way that he has been able to enable you know pat payton has taken a huge step forward Fabian Lovett is maybe somebody who I'd like to see a little bit more of. Joshua Farmer is my most impressed on the DL. But overall, like the defensive line has probably been the anchor, like, or not probably, I would say has been the anchor of the defense so far this season with the linebackers playing a huge role. Like Kalen Deloach, his just presence has been ridiculous enough that Tatum Bethune was able to not really play too much. What was it? Two games ago, like he he kind of got a little bit of a rest game. So it was really encouraging to see that I thought that they might shut out Wake Forest at some point until the the ACC made the call in or like, hey, <laughs> let them reel off this quick 51-yard run. Um, that was the end of that. But they put together just a complete performance, like swarming to the ball. The mesh was not even relevant. There was at no point where I was like, they're going to convert this third and long, which is a feeling I've had a lot this season. And it just, it, they wake is a bad team, but beating bad teams, how you should beat bad teams is a sign of a good team. And again, like agreeing with Ben, the secondary is way that it stepped up, especially defense Cypress. He hadn't been bad, but he had not been somebody who was an all ACC selection last year. He was not showcasing what made him, the crown of the portal uh, transfer. Yeah. And and I think it's funny because coming into the season, we talked a lot about Cyprus being that guy and we never really brought up uh, Fisk. It was kind of like, Hey, he's a depth guy. And just the level of play he's brought has been, it's unbelievable. I mean, obviously a lot of it had, like you mentioned, has to do with verse and and the ability to eat blocks. But um, I feel like we, it comes up every week in the Tomahawk nation group chats. It's, it's, Fisk again, like it's it, like that's just yeah. the, like Fisk again. It's not like anyone's like, wow, man, Fisk. he's always around the ball. He's always making plays. If he's not making plays, I feel like he's like 
biting at the ankles of the running back, tripping him up as he runs by, even then. Like, even if he's on the ground, he's still seemingly making a play. Um, 20 and a half is a big number to cover on the road, and it, and it takes a real full team effort. Yep, never really felt in danger. I mean, obviously you didn't have it in the last minute before the touchdown. Uh, not the last minute, but the, the last touchdown drive there in the fourth. Um, but you were clearing it for pretty much the whole game. Like, there was maybe like a four-minute window where you really weren't in the second half of the second quarter. That's oh, no, ben, just ben wrote in his halftime observations, it's garbage time. Like, and it was. The game was over. Like, the game, the game was, was out of reach. Like, yes, the starters were still in for most of, the, like, the second half. Yes, like, there was a, a chance. There's always a chance that the game could take a turn for a worse. And, like, like with the Dolphins a couple weeks ago when they put in the backups and then Sunday scored and they had to put everybody back in. Like, sure, the game is not over, but, like, that game was over. It was finished. It was finished and, at that point, absolutely. And that's why it was frustrating to watch the rest of the second half, like not even performance wise. I was like, I can't believe I have to spend the rest of my day watching this game. That's like, just call it past the sticks. It's done. And so like it, it was as great as a performance that you could have asked, even adjusting for opponent, like LSU second half is like up there in terms of all time Florida state performances. Um, Southern miss. Yeah. They dropped 66 points and they did what they had to do. Clemson. They were yeah. yeah. Southern miss is awful. Like they, they, that's what I'm saying. Like, and even then, like that was like a first half or like, okay, they did fine in the second quarter, but where's the rest of it? Like this was sure. Again, there are moments where you're like, I wish, I think there were five total drives that there were points. One of them was a miss field goal. And then there were the other point. Like, sure. I guess like you could have scored touchdowns on those, but what, like, it, it's nice to be approaching the, what more do you want? And like the, there's the answer. Yeah. It was I do. I do know what I want. Yeah, I do know what I want from them to like take that next step forward. But like at this point in the season, you are eight and zero. You're entering November. Your schedule looks not just manageable, winnable. Like yeah, the, you might be facing off against Virginia Tech in the ACC championship. You know what you need to pinpoint. I think the team is aware enough of what they are falling short of. So it is really funny seeing. The Tomahawk Nation mentions, I know that you both go through this whenever you do your live tweeting of yes. games, but like first quarter, it was like, this is why we don't get respect from the pundits because we let teams hang around. And at that point, it was 10 to 7. It was right after the Wake Forest touchdown. Well, that's so, always funny because it's it's the game starts 0-0. Like it's yeah. always close in the first, but it, every time our mentions at halftime are, are fire the coaches. This is when they shouldn't be within so many points of us. Obviously, this game is different, but... Uh, it yeah. starts zero zero. You can only win by forty by building up the lead. It doesn't start at forty. Yeah, I mean, the, listen, like that also isn't to say like Florida State fans are big giant babies. I would say the majority of people are well aware. Like, listen, appreciate what we got going on. I think everybody entered the season thinking two losses, maybe th- finger cross, hope chance at playoff. So there is a lot to nitpick. I think in the minute details, and I think that is where Mike Norvell and his staff hyper focus, and that's where we see the separation come in the second half of the season. Because like some teams are slow, you just saw Ohio State slog with Wisconsin. Like you saw Penn State almost blow it against Indiana. Washington for the last two weeks has looked ridiculous, and that even like ties in back to the Heisman conversation. Like Washington looked great. Like he has the best arm. Like that ball is beautiful, but like they are threatening to drop a game. So again, just keep winning. Like Al Davis, like just keep winning. I think at this point, Jordan Travis has a locked up spot in New York. I am jumping all over the place. We were talking about the defense, but 
okay. this point, I think, yeah, no, we're going. I haven't been on Seminole Rap in a little bit. We're excited, baby. So, like, <laughs> he's good in New York. Like, it is at this point, like, take care of business and you're elevating. Like, that is it. Like, I can't think of a – it. So there hasn't been a regression on this team in a single area, I think, since that, like, wake-up call at Boston College. There have been struggles. There's still been issues. There's still things to fix. And, like, I wouldn't even – I don't even know if I feel confident still at this point saying Florida State could win a game in the college football playoff. But I feel much better at this point than I did a month ago. And it's just – it's nice to be sitting in that position. Like it, it, it it's mind blowing. Like it's, it really is a testament to what this team has done and like the progression of everybody on that team and how this staff has been able to identify what they can do to move forward. So I'm entering a Durant territory. So Brian, I would say hit MC part and uh, transition to the next thing. Yeah. Perfect. The, uh, my, my one area that I feel like we, we, the three of us, me, you and uh, John last week, Ben, we're talking about that isn't going to happen is the run game. Uh, we we said it's just not going to happen. The numbers this week, uh, moderately unimpressive, but but you took away some some positivity in that as well. Well, I, I think they've just figured out ways how to scheme around it. You know, um, I, I think the the running game isn't going to improve beyond what we've seen in these last few games, and they have been better these last few games than they were um, from from that stretch from Southern Miss up until those um, those last two games. Um, so I, I think they're using Trey Benson in a lot smarter ways where, you know, he's become a really, really damn good receiving back. Like people just don't talk about that enough with him. People think of Toa Philly as a receiving back and Benson as, as not power guy. Yeah, yeah. But when in reality, it's kind of flipped actually at this point where they're they're leaning on Toa Philly more as their power guy and Benson is their complete back right now. Um, so, you know, Benson, I just have this one stat. Uh, for the season, he has 741 scrimmage yards. In these last four games, he's had 474. Of course, a lot of that is inflated by one game in particular, but he's had 120 receiving yards over that stretch too. So, you know, I, he he has found production in a way that he just was not early in this season when the running game was so bad. Um, and they're, they're using multiple backs. You see Rodney Hill in there often. Yeah. Um, you see a lot of two back sets. Um, they, they've just gotten really smart with the approach with the running game where they know what it is. They know what their strengths and weaknesses are with the running game. Like, like Perry was kind of alluding to they, they know what they're good at at this point. And right now they're finding ways to, to scheme around that. Like I said, and I still think there's more potential to scheme around this running game. Um, I, like I said, I still don't think this running game is going to be better than it is right now, but they're not even that bad. They're just about average, you know, compared to what they were last season where they were just ridiculous um of course jordan travis getting involved a lot more is, is a huge part of that i think they can get involved even more often in the running game um and they did a really good job of it early in this game you know but i think they can do things like running some jet sweeps um you know doing some different motions in the backfield i, I think there's still more potential where they can figure out different solutions to the issues with the running game um but they already have found a lot of solutions already. So I think I'm just overall really encouraged that, you know, they know what they are and they're finding ways to win, you know, by working around that. 
Yeah, Andre Benson, I'll steal this one from uh, David Hale, which, uh, you know, I'm sure many of you already follow him on Twitter, but if you don't, go for it. Uh, only ACC players with an 80-yard rushing touchdown and an 80-yard receiving touchdown in the same season over the past 20 years. C.J. Spiller in 2006, Sean Wilson in 2015, and Trey Benson. I mean, you know, like you mentioned, we look at him or, or it feels like he's looked at as bruiser, power back. Um, you know, he, he can beat you in so many different ways. It's just you're fitting him in a box if you're doing it that way. And I like the way, like you mentioned, the way they're using him, the way they're able to get the ball to him in different ways. Uh, like that screen, it's it's not the running game, but it's an extension of it, you know, and, and that's. You know, I mentioned before, I'm a Saints fan. I mean, that's how the Saints weren't great at running the ball with Drew Brees, but they were great as a screen team. And, you know, if you are struggling running the ball, maybe that's the way to go. It is, like you mentioned, the jet sweeps, the screens, the swing passes, those sorts of things to change the numbers and, and get your blockers elsewhere. Because we know these receivers are great blockers, and, and they have not hidden that at all. They are phenomenal. Yeah, and, and the tight ends have done a really nice job as well. Um, Kyle Morlock is 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 really doing some impressive things for me you know especially coming from where he was at shorter to to coming to florida state playing in the power five like this I, i've been really impressed with his progression and then we knew what jaheem bell was coming into this year so i think they've really raised the floor with all these skill positions that they have along the offense um even then you know they lost Treshawn ward in the offseason and I felt like that was a substantial loss. And, you know, I think we felt that with some of the running game issues. Um, but still, you know, they, like I said, they found solutions to Trey Benson. They're just getting him involved in a way that they didn't for the early part of the season. Um, and he, I mean, you're right. They they threw him the screen, but even the the routes we see that, you know, running backs run and the routes we saw Toa Philly run last year, they're going to Benson in those situations now. And that tells me a lot about his growth as a receiver and just him as an all purpose back. Um, so, yeah, I think, you know, kind of like what you were saying earlier, people look at him as that power, whatever, you know, however you, they put him in a box and they want to define him a certain way. Um, and I think now, he, in my opinion, the last stretch of the season he had and coming into this season, especially these last four games, um, he's proven to me that he's a stud all around back, and he's going to be really useful for an NFL team next year, too. I mean, good for him. He's really, really developed himself. Probably could have been a could, useful one this year. Yeah, and if I could one-up Brian's stat from before, he's the first player in FSU history to do that, to have an 80-yard rush and an 80-yard reception. So it is just... I think a testament to your athletic ability when you can have two 80 yard touchdowns just in a season in any way, shape or form, like in that span of weeks, I think he is getting like the same overall trend with this team. He's finding his flow at this point. I don't think the run game will even get the chance, even if they find their flow and they get over the next couple of weeks to get the chance to be what it was last season, just because of the limitations of the offensive line last year's group was just, built perfectly to enable uh, Benson to do it. But it's funny. You can use the same like descriptive traits uh, to Benson's game as you could to Philly's game, as you could to Hill's game, as you kind of could to Holmes game. Like at this point, it is also just a testament to what Norvell and David Johnson have been able and Alex Atkins have been able to do in development of the running backs where they 
all have obviously like their their best quality and their ideal trait when it comes to approaching the game but each one can do each thing like each one is capable of catching and taking a ball and taking a screen pass or running a route or just straight up running in the middle running count like it isn't the production we've liked to see and i don't think we're gonna fully get to that point and i don't know if you even fully need to get to that point because again like you have the talent you can just run screen you can find ways to utilize the players otherwise, which just randomly you said, it is strange that we haven't seen as many bell running back carries, which you don't need to, if that's the thing, but well, it's funny. They used him in the backfield this week, just as a blocker. They just put him back there. Yeah, and like, blocker, that's what, yeah. You've seen that many do span jet sweeps. Like there are like, uh, even same for Jakai Douglas, like that's the thing. There were things that they were doing last year that I think they had to do because of, uh, their desire to really make an offense for playmakers. But this year the playmakers are just making the plays. Like they don't have the time to like, really like set up these home run shots because they're just getting home runs. Like like a brain mark of like a lot of these like offensive geniuses, you set up a play, you set up a play, you set up a play, and then you hit the same look. And then it's a completely different thing. <laughs> There's just not that much time. Because even the, I think the total plays FSU either had one more, one less than Wake this week, and you wouldn't be able to tell, like just based off like the product, you would think that like somehow they don't, but like they're getting less plays, I believe, overall this year because of the new um, clock rules. Teams have figured out that time and possession is the way to start to get FSU to bleed, so. Yeah, it's the funny in this game, game you yeah. ended up almost exactly even in the in, in the time of possession, and it's still I mean, they, they've been they've been on the negative end of the time of possession, I feel like, in most of their games, and it still hasn't even mattered. Yeah, and like it it is not even like really, I don't think a concern. Like it's not like I think I can they need to fix that, like kind of thing. It's just like, hey, your offense is just kind of too good. And sometimes it sputters out. They're pretty much playing like Madden NCAA football, like at this point, like where it's like, hey, let me call like four plays. Oh, wait, that one actually worked. I called a counter and it went 80 yards. Whoops. I'm going to call yeah. four verts for the next play. Why not? Like, and then it doesn't work. So again, but you can't look at 14 straight games with 30 points or over and be like, ah, oh, I think they need to change something. Like it, it's, it's a nut. They do need to fix things, but that's the thing. Like it's you, you, you're constantly teetering on like what is broke, don't fix it. But also like maybe you need to figure that out if you really want to win actually something. But like, hey, no, keep doing what you're doing. It's the most accepted, but also figured out like yeah, and area you, to be living in. If you wanted to complain on time of possession, it would be if they were stalling out. If they were not, if they were punt, like you know, like we talked about all preseason and early in the year, we we don't want to see them stalling out. Um, I, again, I just pulled up the, the points per game on offense and I, I, you were fifth overall. And then I shaved it down to just the FBS side. You're fifth overall there and, and you're behind Texas state. who had the one game against Baylor earlier this year. So I'm just going to cross the line right through them. So you're fourth. I mean, and, and you're sitting there with Michigan who hasn't played anyone that I believe, um, could deserves <laughs> to be in a power five level all season. Uh, USC who obviously has the highest big quarterback. And and then LSU right ahead of you, uh, Oregon and Washington right behind you. So I mean, as long as time possession is not a problem if you're scoring, and, and they are certainly doing that. The uh, to me, where you end up at this point is you are clearly the best team in the ACC. Um, big weekend for that. North Carolina loses to Georgia Tech. 
Uh, Miami seems to be uh, down there as well. I think they survived against Virginia. Um, yeah, the ACC yeah. picture Another overall, overtime game. It was great. Yeah, I, I don't know what Mario's deal is there. And, and oh, I, I do. Well, He's bad. Well, there you go. There. <laughs> we said the quiet part. Quiet. Um, but yeah, I mean, so you look at this ACC picture. Florida State sitting at the top, and and Ben, you pointed this out. They're the only one with six wins. The next closest is Louisville at four. Um, so where it ends up is Louisville. Virginia Tech are your two one-loss ACC teams otherwise. You have two conference games left. This week, Louisville and Virginia Tech play each other. If you beat Pitt, you clinch your spot in Charlotte. It's it's that simple because there's no way for you to fall beyond second place. Um, it, to me, you mentioned Perry, Virginia Tech could be that next team, depending on if they can beat Louisville this week. Uh, ben, I forget. Is that a home game for Virginia Tech? Oh, that's a great question. I did not see. Uh, let me pull that up real quick. But regardless, I mean, you shook your head. I I, I can't imagine that Louisville loses uh, to Virginia Louisville, Tech. They to Louisville me seem like game. the better team. It is a Louisville home game, so yeah. Uh, I, I it just feels like it's just it's just going to be Florida State Louisville, and if it's not, it ends up with some kind of nine way ACC only could concoct this like two loss tie that just feels kind of perfect for the ACC, right? Oh yeah, yeah. What was it? Two thousand eight. Do you remember the Big Twelve tie? That's one of like I think it was a literal coin flip with like Texas, Texas Tech, and Oklahoma. Maybe Kansas was in there. I think at one at that time. No, it wasn't the weird. It was the year like the Tebow Oklahoma year. So I think like I think it was Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma. um, Yeah. With like the Michael Crabtree crazy catch and bat like that like awesome Big Twelve year. Um. So like they. I think yeah, only it was like 2008. A, there was a yeah. Point toss, yeah. Let's go. I have it was no random draw. Sorry, else. random draw. Random draw. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's how adults say it. So I think only conferences as silly as the Big Twelve and the ACC. You're right. Are capable of this? Like, it went from what was it three weeks ago when before the Miami Georgia Tech loss, where like UNC and Miami, like it was like, oh my gosh, the ACC championship is going to finally be a powerhouse matchup. Miami and Florida State for the first time are finally going to face up. Nope. <laughs> so I think if it were maybe a tighter year and a more concerning year, you would be like, oh, no, we should hopefully be rooting for Louisville to win out and get that strength of schedule come ACC championship time. But I think at this point of the year, if you and if you end up undefeated, you're in. It's not one of those like possibly an undefeated power five championship team is left out. Yeah, I mean, the Oklahoma game, the Oklahoma game kind of set that up for you. Yeah, the Oklahoma Big 12 is guaranteed that. not they're guaranteed not to have an unbeaten team out of the Big 12. Um, you're you're likely to me not gonna see Washington be an undefeated team winning the Pac 12. I feel like they, like you mentioned they're due for a loss. Feel like if, if they somehow survive November without a loss, it sure feels like Oregon will be the team to get them in the Pac-12 championship game. Um, you're only going to have a, you're only going to have maybe an undefeated out of the Big Ten, presumably out of Michigan, Ohio State, and then the SEC could be a one loss. I mean, Georgia looked great and they seem to be playing better. Um, potentially Alabama. It seems like the other team to really have a chance there. We haven't seen a two loss team get in, so the Ole Miss, the LSU seem to be kind of on the outside looking in. Yeah, and. I am loving the like nightmare, not plausible scenario of the Big Ten being like Michigan, you can't play in the championship game. And so they're undefeated. Ohio State remains undefeated. And then you have, and then the college football playoff committee puts them in. So that's just, just a fun. You're just generally scared. 
No, that's not even real to me. That's just a funny thing to me because yeah. that would be the most like college football slash Michigan slash like college football committee decision of all time. But again, ben, are like, you scared? Are you scared of Louisville at all? Oh, am I? Yeah, ben, I'm gonna have yeah, to think ben. about that while he answers. No, hell no, no, no. Really, because uh, I, I like I'm, them. They're they're playing yeah. well. Jawar Jordan's a great running back, very explosive, and and Thrash has proven, um, you know, he can hit the home. They they have two home run hitters on offense, which is more than I think pretty much anyone else in the ACC besides Florida State. Yeah, yeah. their schedule has been awful, but yeah. they took yeah. it to Notre Dame, and Notre Dame I think has kind of proven they're real. They're okay. I mean, but their only loss are to Louisville and Ohio State, and they're both pretty good. Well, so, they, beat, they beat Duke this week, and and Ben obviously that's that's uh, a heartbreaker. Yeah, to, without yeah that's what I'm saying. So now he sh- Ben should be scared. They just beat his favorite team in the entire world. So he well, should be no Riley though, right? Yeah, no Riley. That's yeah. uh, that's more what this is about. Well, I think um, he, yeah, well, he was out the whole game. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, think he he beat I mean, that was Elko's first bad decision, letting uh, Florida State beat him twice. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I, 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 Louisville could definitely be a little frisky, but I, I, I think the reason I'm saying I'm not scared is because FSU is going to be playing them on December second, not in October or September, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we know with with Mike Norvell teams, they're getting this team is getting better as we're seeing it fold out. And they have historically gotten better. So I think just from what I expect this team to look like in December, um, I'm not worried because I think right now they're the most, this is the most complete team in terms of all three phases that we've ever seen from Mike, Mike Norvell at FSU. And I think they can get even better. So that's why I'm not worried about Louisville. Riley Leonard did play nine for 23, 121 and a pick. Oh, well, you just lost our credibility in, t- in front yeah. of our entire list. 10 carries. So. He also had 10 carries for 13 yards. Um, well, he shouldn't have been playing. I mean, the reality no. is dealing yeah, with the him. last two weeks, he should have just still been healing. But this is the beauty of college football. Yeah. Where you could just make the kids still play. Uh, well, you know, and he's not doing his homework either, apparently. So, you know what? Maybe that's a, maybe that's his punishment. You know, he wasn't doing homework early in the season, but, um, that was the Clemson game you're talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah. Where I think he got asked after the game, like, or it came up after the game that he had not turned in his homework and that his offensive lineman had. And then the coach made a video the next day was like, yeah, all your teammates turned in their homework. You didn't. Sorry. Tough luck. Which is like, like, like. Damn, that was the most important Duke football moment ever. And <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I I, I think um, you know, just like I said a, a few minutes ago, where this FSU team is headed right now, the only losses I see in front of them are in the college football playoff. You know, it's funny, I just yeah. pulled up the uh total defense stats. Louisville 15th in the country, allowing 303 yards per game. And then if you cut it to power five, like I've been doing. Still just ahead of Florida State, averaging 327. Uh, the schedule is weak, like we mentioned. Yeah, their schedule, yeah, their schedule is built like it's almost like there. an Oklahoma-level schedule, where it's like you should be in this position at this point. And if they – who did they lost to Pitt? They lost to somebody funny. I know that. Yeah, they lost to Pitt. And, yeah. like, that's a thing. Like, they could have been the – you. we know you're not going to make the playoff, but we got to talk about it like you could team at this point. Like – there's no reason they shouldn't be in the discussion outside of just hilariously losing. So there is a degree of nervousness on my point, just because Louisville since 2014 has just been kind of an annoying team to play. 
historically and now it's a new coach to also be annoyed with because from Petrino to Satterfield, it was just a slog each time. It didn't matter the talent deficit. So there's just something about those Papa John boys that just is very frustrating. So that's the thing that lingers. And then just the soft factor in me where you got to play your rivals two out of three weeks to end of the season. That's very scary to me. Like that is very concerning. Miami going to overtime for two straight games against teams that obviously are not good is funny to me. Clemson needed two overtimes to beat my or Miami needed two overtimes to beat Clemson. FSU only needed one. That's math. Like, but that's still scary. Florida, awful. But Florida just does that thing where they'll look awful against a good team, they'll look awful against a bad team, and then they'll play an elite team and then just somehow win. Like so. Well, the one game Florida's look good this year was South Carolina, who can't stop anybody. Um, yeah, South Carolina, and, and it was such a frustrating game for Beamer that he literally broke his foot after kicking something. Yeah, so the, the one thing that I think when you look at the way Florida performed, like say last year, they were terrible. But they had Anthony Richardson, and they had the guy who can just kind of channel it. I don't think like Graham Mertz is the guy who can just channel it, and I don't like Baby Tn is not that guy. I, I uh, the other running back Johnson is not that guy. Like, I just don't know who the guy is. It just kind of goes super mode. And we, we've been talking about Pitt a little bit. Ben, I want to get your reaction to this too, because it is the game coming up and uh, Pitt seems to be uh, in, 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 in a spot for themselves here. Obviously we talked about it. They are not good this year, two and six, the wins coming against Wofford and somehow Louisville by 17. Um, losses to Cincinnati and West Virginia and North Carolina and Virginia tech and wake who we know is terrible and Notre Dame. Obviously I think they should have beaten wake. It was like a weird slide at the first. Yeah, down. It was, they got uh, bit by the Kenny Pickett rule. Yeah. So, I mean, take that to what it is, but this week they, they played against uh, Notre Dame beat 58 to seven on the road uh, and a reporter. And I'll get to the whole story. Noah Hiles tweeted out Narduzzi quote. We lost a lot of great play, good players last year. We thought we'd replace them. And we obviously didn't do a good job with that. Uh, that tweet sat by itself and a lot of their players quote tweeting it, um, quote Xing it, whatever, and said, <laughs> you know, basically, hey, coach, what the hell, bro? You, you're, you know, coming out and saying your players are garbage. Um, you know, maybe take some ownership. Uh, Noah Hiles had to come back and, and kind of, hey, I apologize. I tweeted this live as I was talking. This is the full quote. Uh, and that full quote was, I'll go back as a football coach. You lose a lot of good players from a year ago. And you think as a coach, you're going to replace them. And obviously we haven't. Again, that starts with me. I didn't do a good enough job coaching today. Put it on me and we've got to make plays. Ben, they're playing poorly. And obviously the quote itself wasn't meant to be like, my players are screwing us. But the message still landed with them that way. It, it can't be a spot where Pitt... I mean, it seems like they either will rally and we're going to show everyone that we're not that team or they're just going to show up like a bunch of folding chairs and just get, you know, folded up, put away and, and Florida State rolls through. Them. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at this Notre Dame game, too. I mean, Sam Hartman threw zero touchdowns and two picks and they dropped 58 on pick. <laughs> So, um, no, I'm, I, I think, you know, it was, it's funny because we talked about that. This was one of those games we talked about earlier in the season, just about it being frisky because it's in pit at this time of the year. And, you know, team traveling from Tallahassee to pit 
like it, it makes it a little friskier than than you know normal um but to me that's the only frisky part about this game is maybe the weather gets a little weird and i can see that affecting this florida state team and like we touched on earlier um this is the halloween week weekends um you know it's it's a big event in tallahassee and i'm i'm sure the players are enjoying it now so <laughs> i think to me that's like seriously that's the one thing that's the factor i look at and i'm like well you know that could that could have FSU have a little bit of a letdown, um, but with how this team is rolling right now, I I expect Florida State to look really really good, um, and you know maybe we'll see a half or a quarter of Tate Rodemaker. Uh, if you're right about the weather, the current forecast and it's five days out, but uh, 61, 46 is the low, N- no chance of rain currently. I don't see any through Wednesday, you know, through the rest of the week, all the way to next Sunday on the forecast. So, um, you know, not like you're watching timing of certain rains. It just seems like it'll be kind of a mild fall day in the north. Yeah. So, yeah you know, I, I, nothing. We'll take that. We don't want the Denver sleeting snow that they just had last. Uh, that was at the Air Force game had yesterday when they got penalized for throwing snowballs. Yeah. So I mean, the yeah, Steelers Jags game that. was pretty gross today. So I'm happy they got that one out of the way. But I, I'm concerned, I guess, a little bit about the weather just because some of those players have never been in it at all. All those Miami kids, you know how those South Florida boys are. Um, <laughs> but team-wise, Pitt is not concerning. Like, there's just not a lot to be worried about. I feel like um, they're just a non-factor on both sides of the ball. Um, that wake loss, I think, was just an absolute dagger in their hearts. They finally had tasted victory in like such an adrenaline rush way and had that taken from you, I think, showed up on the field this last week. I don't think, while uh, Narduzzi's full quote was not as... Uh, brutal as the paraphrase made it seem it's not exactly the kind of like added context that can make a team go like rally around him (laughs) it's like all right well you didn't say we sucked as bad as we thought like you still said we were kind of bad and then you realized you said that we were bad and then you took ownership so they're not gonna have a particularly fun week i'm anticipating there's gonna be a slight factor of motivation always there is when you're playing a team of elite caliber like you want to show out i think there will be some performances but i'll also say if there's any chance for adam fuller to get a spiked uh baseball for a shutout this is looking like the best shot for the rest of the season except you know i might be giving south alabama a little bit too much credit or miami either one can score zero <laughs> points they're both fully capable of it but it seems like a nice weekend to just get a win, move on. Thankfully, you don't have to showcase too much heading to the Miami game. Who you get at home, you get to chill, you get to relax for the next two weeks. I think FSU is still a 23-point favorite at this point. Like It is not an anticipated slog pit. Like There's, at the top of my head, not a matchup that I can – or 21, excuse me, point favorite. There's not a matchup I can identify. There's not an area like that I'm like, oh, man, like they could be able to exploit that. Because even Wake, you're like, you know, that defense is really good. And, you know, they don't beat themselves. They don't do a lot that can expose them. Each the only week, thing would be beating yourself. I mean, that yeah, would really like, be Yeah, like literally, like it would take a, an implosion to the levels of Jacksonville State. Like that's what I'm saying. Like it would take like – for like a four zero turnover ratio level of oh man like we really like again like Notre Dame is good 
but we've seen their flaws and they just put up 55. Now I don't anticipate, like I'm not saying FSU should win by that same margin if they don't do the same thing. They're not as good, blah, blah, blah. but you know, there, there's a schedule in uh, past results indicate something for a reason. So it is not a fear ahead of the season. I was pinpointing. I was like, oh man, like that actually could be like a little bit of a, a scary, like trap game on the road late. I don't like it. Pitt, like pretty easily handled FSU. Again, it was the pandemic year and not anywhere close to what the current makeup of the team is, but they're capable. And that was a Jordan Travis team too. They like really roughed them up. I'm really thinking it looks like Jameis Winston 2013 level game. Like <laughs> Jordan Travis, two incompletions, one of them's both of them out of bounds. Like it's going to be a nice, easy game. I wish it was noon. I'm I'm sad that after like 3:30, and then I'm gonna be that sleepy for the rest of the day. Barry trying to set him up for set himself up for every uh, that's old a, take exposed oh, clip he possibly could, guaranteeing victory in about 19 different play, ways. Calling it the easiest me on game, the scoreboard. I I mean I I said the folding chair line. I was like, they're gonna have folding chairs on the sideline. Like this is us. Look at us. Um, yeah. I mean, I think if I'm sitting here, I, I feel pretty good. I feel like this team is is. Just go in and like they talked about on the broadcast a bunch last week, don't have the sleepy game. Go in and come out hot. Put it away early. Don't let them hang around. Don't give the guys in the mentions reasons to complain. Uh, and just just play your game. There's no reason not to. Ben, you don't see any reason to be concerned here either, right? No, there's no matchup that terrifies you. No, I mean, I I think the only concern is you have to start the game 0-0. You know, like I know <laughs> fans hate that. Um, no, I mean, like just quickly looking out, Pitt is – bottom three and offensive touchdowns and defensive touchdowns in the ACC. Um, the only other team that's that low is Virginia. And, you know, that, that, that kind of tells, tells me the story of, of Pitt. They, they just do not have players. They do not have good players. Um, and, you know, I think like Perry kind of alluded to, you could look at wake and say, Hey, they do some nice things on defense. That mesh is kind of frisky, even though their offense had been really bad. You know, there were some frisky things about that weight game. Um, this game seems, seems even less frisky to me. So, um, you know, yeah, I think the only thing that would stop this Florida State team is outside circumstances like like weather or the players, you know, being really hung over because it's Halloween week. <laughs> that's it. Uh, that, that's that's about what I see. <laughs> Well, we've seen a lot of NFL teams hit lately with this uh, this illness or whatever floating around. It seems like the Lions have it right now. I know the Saints had it Patrick this Mahomes. week. There you Mahomes go. had the flu. So, you know, just everybody avoid that. You know, just just yeah. avoid that. And let's, let's make sure we're okay. Again, the game at Pitt this Saturday, 3.30 on ESPN. Uh, Florida State, you said 21-point favorites, Perry? Yes. So hopefully take care of business. We're back here next week previewing Miami and saying, boy – Look how they figured out everything. The run game looks great again, and we can kind of just move on. But uh, until then, for Brian, Ben, and Perry, John, if you're still listening, we love you. That's a wrap. Oh,